We'll be back in Matthew tonight, chapter 5. And kind of has been the norm with these Beatitudes, the section of the Sermon on the Mount that we're in. We've been kind of going verse at a time. And tonight, no different. Tonight we're going to cover verse 6, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Not a long verse, but a powerful verse, and it's a verse that will challenge everyone in here tonight. And if it doesn't challenge us tonight, then we must really begin to question, why not? Let's read it first, and then we'll dive into it. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let's pray for this verse. Father, we thank you uh, for the good news uh, that we've talked about earlier in this service. And we pray, Lord, that your will would be done. And we know that it will be, Lord, and we just pray that our hearts would be uh, conformed to that mindset in all things, that your will would be done. And you would guide us, Lord, as individuals, but also as a church. Lord, we come to you after, after reading this verse, and we ask for help. We ask that you would open our hearts tonight. Lord, let us see the truth here. Let us grow in our understanding of this verse that we've probably heard on numerous occasions in our life. Lord, we pray that it would be deeper. It would be sweeter. Lord, it would bring change to us. And Lord, we need, we are desperate for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to make this come alive in our souls. So we pray this tonight in your name. And Lord, we pray that when we leave this place, that we would be more hungry and more thirsty for righteousness than we ever have been. We ask this thing, these things in your name. Amen. Let me remind everybody that the Beatitudes are building on one another. When it talks about the blessed one here, these are Christians. These are the ones who God has regenerated, which we'll talk about on Sunday when we get into John 3 and what it means to be born again. But these are the ones who've been blessed by God, where the, that God has shined His face upon them, has been gracious to them, lifted His countenance upon them. These are Christians. And if you remember that that when we go through here and we talk about poor in spirit or we talk about those who are merciful, so many times we look at this and we say, well, I'll be one of them, but not all of them. Or I'll, I'm good at this one and this one, but the others don't really apply. Let us be reminded that this is the characteristic of a Christian. These are the characteristics of Christians. These will be the characteristics of those who are in heaven. Every one of these builds on the previous one. This is talking about a regenerate person. And if you remember how this has been built so far, that we see that blessed are the poor in spirit. The regenerate one will understand how spiritually bankrupt they are, how, how spiritually in poverty they are, how they have no merit and no righteousness on their own. They are brought to an understanding that in their own righteousness and in their own spiritual being, they are bankrupt and they have no hope. And what does that cause them to do? That causes them to mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. 
This is speaking of repentance, of contrite repentance. These are the ones who are broken and mourning over their sin because they realize how poor in spirit they are. And then what does that cause you to do? That when you understand you're poor in spirit and you mourn over sin and you, you, then you humble yourself or you become meek before God, you submit to His authority. And this is a vertical aspect of our walk with Christ. But then that meekness that we are under Christ then gets portrayed to others. It's the horizontal aspect. But then we come to verse 6 and after that you've been poor in spirit and you've mourned over sin and you've become meek before God and other people. He tells us the next characteristic of every believer, of every true believer, that these are the ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we must understand a few things here, I, I do believe, and I want to say this at the start, that when we are poor in spirit, when we mourn over sin, and we understand how spiritually bankrupt we are, when we understand that The requirement for heaven is perfection. When we understand that it is only righteousness that will dwell in the kingdom of God, when we understand that, and then we look at ourselves and understand how poor in spirit we are and how that our righteousness is a filthy garment, what do we do? We we hunger for the righteousness that gets us into heaven, and that righteousness is found in Christ. The one who has been truly regenerate is the one who understands that they could never merit their way to heaven, that they could never earn their way to heaven. And what do they do? They totally surrender and they believe that it is the righteousness of Christ that is what allows them to merit any righteousness and entrance into the kingdom of God. This is what happens in our salvation. And we'll talk about this again on Sunday. But what happens is that... One is born again, or one becomes spiritually alive. When we are running from God, when we are not seeking God, God seeks His elect, and He brings them to spiritual life. He allows them then to begin to have affection for the things they once hated. They begin to see that their brokenness and their, uh, their, their righteousness is nothing. And what does that cause them to do? That causes them to see the beauty of the gospel their inability to save themselves, and the beauty of the gospel. And then once one is born again and they hear the message of the gospel, then what do they do? They then place faith. Being born again allows you to respond to the gospel. And then when you respond and you place faith in Christ, what happens? He justifies you by faith alone. So fide. And that moment of justification is where the, it's a legal courtroom setting. It is where God legally declares those who put true, genuine, sincere faith in Him. He declares them righteous. They are, they are given the imputed righteousness of Christ upon them, and they are considered righteous even though they're not. That is the beauty of justification. And when you see your need for it, you then see the beauty of the gospel. You cry out to Him, mourn in repentance, and He justifies you. That's the initial part of hungering and thirsting after righteousness in our justification before God when we place faith in Him. But this is going to expand on that. And it's going to talk about how this applies in our life, in our Christian walk, how it applies daily, how we're to hunger and thirst after righteousness not just every week of our life, not just every day of our life, not just every hour of our life or every minute of our life. We're to pursue and seek 
after righteousness every second of our lives. But I want to talk first about what is your hunger and thirst before regeneration? What is your hunger? What is your appetite? What is your thirst before Christ saves you? Before you're the blessed one, before he comes and saves you and regenerates you and shows you mercy and grace, that we all have a specific appetite. And that appetite is one that is in step with our fallen nature. Our fallen nature is hungry and it's thirsting, but it's never for the things of God. There's never one person who is unregenerate that ever seeks and hungers after the things of God. It's actually just the opposite. You're running from God. You hate the things of God. That's our hunger. In, in our, unfall, our fallen, unregenerate state, our hunger and our thirst is for the temporal food, for the temporal things of life. It's for the sinful things. It's for the lust. It's for the desires that satisfy us, not for the things that are of God. And we can use this sometimes graphic imagery here of what our hunger actually looks like. Do you remember in the prodigal son, the story where he is out and he's in the pig pen? And and what does he say? He says, I am wallowing in the mud and the mire, and I see the slop that the pigs are eating, and I would do anything to have this. Sin had broken him. He understood how he was poor in spirit and spiritually bankrupt, and he was down there wallowing with the swine, and that's our appetite before Christ of the filth and the things of this world. And it goes a little step farther than that. Do you remember when we were finishing up 2 Peter, and we were talking about the people who proclaim to be a Christian? They profess Christianity, but it only looks like that on the surface, and then it's not long. They go back to their true fallen desires and lust. And Second Peter tells us also what the appetite is of the unregenerate person. And it's not a pretty picture. You see, when the world tells us that to chase and to follow the things of the world is glorious and glamorous, the Bible says a whole different thing and paints a different picture. In Second Peter chapter 2, verse 22, it says this, it has happened to them according to a, the true proverb, A dog returns to its own vomit. And a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. Do you know what it is in God's eyes, the appetite of the unregenerate person? Vomit and pig slop. As glorious as the world may consider it, it is vomit. And that's what we chase. And that's every one of us. You can say that wasn't me. Yes, it is. The Bible says that no one before they're born again seeks the things of God. They are hungry after the lust and the appetite of their own flesh and sinful nature. That's a horrible picture. That's a horrible picture of our appetite before regeneration. But what does our appetite and our thirsting after regeneration looks like? Let me say this. The Bible says that no one seeks God before they are born again. That's truth. No one seeks God. But then there's verses in the Bible that tell us to seek God. So what do we do? Do we say, well, the Bible, ha ha, what a contradiction. The Bible says that no one seeks God, and then we have verses that say, seek God. If, let me remind you just for a brief second, um, the three rules that you really want to take in priority when you're understanding the Bible and how to read it. The first one is context. The second one is context. 
And I would love to throw you off one day because I know you all know that you think you know the last one. And you're right. It's context. Where does the true seeking begin? After you were born again. When God chases you down, brings spiritual life to your soul. You know the one that says that he came to seek and to save, that was lost. He did the seeking. It is after that that the true seeking begins. And this is where hungering and thirsting for righteousness begins. When we in our spiritual condition has changed, we then are our hunger and spirit for spiritual things. That's what we yearn for because that's the only thing that, appetite, uh, that satisfies our appetite and our thirst. Think about it. That you have an appetite and a hunger in your fallen state, in your unregenerate state. But now you're in a born-again state. You're in a, a regenerate state. So your appetite changes. And the things that you once hated and ran from are the things that you're running to. The things that you once hated, you love. And the things that you once hid from, you are pursuing with all your soul. That does not come about by flesh. That comes about by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit of God. And it can only be performed, hungering and thirsting for righteousness can only be performed by someone who's born again. Because, like I said, they are now loving something they previously hated, pursuing something they were running from, and seeking something they hid from. It is this nature that has changed, which causes the appetite to change. And now we are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. The one who is not blessed and born again can never hunger and thirst after righteousness. But we must be very careful because this does not mean that we hunger and thirst for self-righteousness. And if we're not careful, we can be quickly sucked into that trap. That we believe that our merit for entrance into the kingdom of God is based on how wonderful we are, how self-righteous we are before God. Do you remember what we talked about before, in, before regeneration? We hate God, we're running from God, our hunger and thirst is for the things of the world. But now, when we're poor in spirit, when God regenerates our soul, brings this conviction upon us. Now we know that the only righteousness that will ever satisfy the Father is the righteousness of God the Son. So the true believer does not work and strive for self-righteousness. They rest in the righteousness of Christ. They pursue and they seek after righteousness, not because they think that's how it's going to merit their entrance into heaven, but they seek and hunger after righteousness because they want to please God. They want to do the things that are pleasing to God. They want to be conformed into the image of God. And if you remember that in our golden chain of redemption, we know that those whom He foreknew, we know that those whom He chose, He loved before the foundation of the world, He predestined. But we don't explain after that what did He predestine those He chose to become. He predestined them to be conformed to the image of His Son. And what that is, is speaking of sanctification. If you are truly justified before God, then you will have sanctification, and it will be a progressive thing in all your Christian life. This is why we hunger and thirst after righteousness, because those who are His people have been predestined to be conformed and be transformed to the image of His Son. That's speaking of sinning less, growing more into His image, 
becoming more Christ-like in everything we do. That's what it means to be conformed into His image. And one day we will be conformed into that image in its total fulfillment when we are in heaven. That's in our glorification where we'll have a body like unto Christ. But here, after we are born again, after He justifies us, our appetite has changed. Now it's to the things of God and we run and pursue it with all our might. Because we love God. Remember the verses that tell us that if you love me, you'll what? Keep my commandments. Not that it'll enter you into the kingdom of God. And if we think our works will enter us into the kingdom of God, then we do not truly understand the gospel. It is not a self-righteousness that we pursue. It is a righteousness to be conformed to His image because we love Him. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 tells us that we are to be holy. He tells us to be holy. Why? Because He's holy. In 1 John 2, 6, it says if we claim to be His, then we are to walk as He walked. And He walked in perfect righteousness. That's to be our heart's desire. And we will never fulfill that perfectly. Christ's righteousness fulfilled it perfectly. But we're to pursue it because we love Him. We're indebted to Him. And we know these are the things that are pleasing to Him. You see, this is a desire hungering and thirsting after righteousness is a desire to rid ourselves of every sin in every aspect of our life. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness says that I want to be righteous in all my speech, in all my talk, every aspect, in the way that I dress, in the way that I communicate with others, in the way that I pray, in the way that I live, in the way that whatever it is, every aspect of life, when we are born again, the true blessed one is to seek after righteousness in every aspect of our lives. And we know this is not going to happen completely until we are free from the presence of sin, which will be in our glorification when we are in heaven with Him. Hungered and thirsting after righteousness is a hatred for sin and an intense Hatred for unrighteous things. Let me ask you this. Here's a, good, here's a good litmus test. Do you hate unrighteous things? Or do you tolerate them? Well, that's probably not the best thing. That's ah, all right. Do you hate sin? We're to hate sin. But the problem with the modern Christian is that we're so engrossed in it and engaging in it so much that how can we hate it? Because then we'd have to confront it in our lives. The one who pursues and hungers after righteousness and thirsts after righteousness will hate sin with a passion. They won't want unrighteousness around them. They won't want unrighteousness in their house. They won't want unrighteousness in their action, in their body, in their being, in their Christian life. And they will be disturbed. It will bother them when those around them are engaged in unrighteous things because they hate unrighteousness. It's an intense desire for righteousness in every aspect of our lives. This is the blessed one. This is the one who's been born again. This is the one who's being blessed by God. And to pursue hunger and thirst after righteousness is a blessing from God. And we see something like this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3 through 14. This is Paul. And we know Paul's life before. And, and, and what you'll hear in the opening verses of this section of Scripture is that Paul is boasting in his, what he believes is his own self-righteousness. He's going to tell you why he thought that he was elite as a Christian. He's going to give you all the accolades of who he is and what he did. 
He's going to pursue these things for his own self-righteousness. But then something's going to happen. He's going to realize, like we talked at the start, that he realizes that there's no righteousness in himself. And the only righteousness that he knows is found in Christ. And then when he realizes that, and he hungers and thirsts for that righteousness to be imputed to him, then he says that he runs this life fully, pressing on, running the race, seeking after the things of God until he crosses the finish line in heaven. Listen to this account as Paul says this. He says, Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. And here comes his resume, if you will, of why he would be a perfect Christian in his mind. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Christ has brought him to spiritual life. I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness derived from my, of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. He's speaking of justification there. He says, there's no righteousness in me by the law. In fact, everyone is condemned. But the righteousness that I have is through faith in Christ. So fide, that is the instrumental cause that brings justification. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Where does the righteousness come from? You? From God on the basis of faith. He sees this. This is the initial hungering and thirsting for the righteousness. And now he's going to flip the script and say, but I'm still walking. I know that I'm righteous before God because of his grace and his mercy. But while I'm here, I'm going to pursue it to be conformed to his image. Because think about this. Think about Paul just for a second. Paul thought he was the gold standard of righteous Christian living. Until the true righteous standard of living invaded his life. When he found the beauty of Christ, when Christ opened his eyes and brought him to life, he realized that he's the least of the least, the chief of all sinners. He realizes there's nothing in him. And now he once thought he was the standard. And now what he wants to do is race and chase after the standard, which is God. He finishes up by saying this. This is the faith, the righteousness that comes from, faith, from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I, I was laid hold of by Christ. I love that. Christ laid a hold of me. You want to know why I'm a Christian? I was running from Him, but Christ laid a hold of me. You know what that's called? Regeneration. He came to seek and to save. He says this. For which I also was laid hold of by Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid, of it, laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do know, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ in, of God in Christ Jesus. 
The finish line has not come, and I will pursue with all my might. It's an active thing. So many times we think of this of just, it's, we think of it as a passive thing. Well, I'll just naturally become more righteously seeking. No, it's an active thing. You are to pursue it. And Hebrews 12, 14 says this, pursue peace with all men and pursue this. This is what he's going to tell us to pursue, sanctification. That's being conformed to the image of God. That's pursuing and hungering and thirsting after righteousness is what that is. So we're to pursue peace with all men and pursue sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. No sanctification, no justification, no seeing the Lord, no salvation. We're to pursue it with all of our hearts and pursue it with all of our might to pursue the sanctification that God has called us to. That is the will of God for our lives is sanctification. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 through 3 says this, Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. As the, as the child will let you know quickly when they are hungry. And they will not stop until they get fed. We've all been there. We know that. That is an honest, thirsting and hungering And they just want everybody to know they're hungry and they will not stop until they're satisfied. And that's the comparison he uses for us. That we're to to be so drawn and so seeking and so wanting this milk of the word of God. And we won't stop until we get it. We won't stop. Our souls won't be satisfied. We will not be quenched. We will not be fed until we get to the word of God until our souls are satisfied by this passionate seeking of His Word and of Him. You see, this is a picture that is one of action, one of pursuing, one of the Blessed One. Psalm 42, verse 1-2 through two says this, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? If a deer is injured, where do they go? They go to the water, as they think that is where their survival may lie. And when it's hot and it's time to drink, and where do they go? They go to the water. They pant for the water because they know their survival is dependent on the water. And here the psalmist gives us this imagery as Christians, that like the deer pants for the water, which is their survival, or when they're wounded, they go to the water. So our soul is to pant after the things of God. To run to the water and know that that's the only thing that can satisfy our thirst and hunger and the need in our lives. And I didn't write this on your sheet, so if you want to, you can. Because we've all heard this verse. And it's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. You could probably quote it. We don't know everything in life. For example, we're praying for this building, and we don't know what the final answer is going to be. We don't know God's will in every aspect of life as far as every decision. 
But what he does say is there is a will of God that rises to the top. And if we do this one thing, then all these underlying things will begin to fall in place. When we don't know what to do, we seek and hunger after righteousness. We seek and pursue sanctification because we know that is His will. And if our hearts are primarily focused on sanctification and on the will of God, then all these other things will work themselves out. Because God is faithful. And maybe you've heard this verse before, but listen to it now. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first His kingdom. You've heard that. And what else? And His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. It rises to the top. And so many times we have it backwards. We start on the base level of things. And then we try to manage and work these things out. And then eventually we'll get to the top. And and then our heart's desire will be to seek and pursue righteousness. Only if God answers our prayers in a positive way to us. When you don't know what to do in life, you know what you do. You seek and hunger after righteousness. You pursue sanctification with all your soul. You seek His kingdom first and the righteousness that pleases Him. And all these things will be added unto you. This is the blessed one. I've been guilty of this. This hits me right in the face. Because when I don't know what to do, and things are in my life and questions arise, I try to work them out myself. And the least important thing in my life at that time is sanctification. Who cares about sanctification now? i got to get this thing fixed. We've all been there. We all do it. And God says, blessed is the one who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. And then God is sovereign and he's merciful and he's he's faithful. And he's working all things out for the uh, the good of those who are his called, who love him according to his purpose. And it will all be added and all work out according to his sovereign plan. So as much as this building is a great thing, do you know what we have to do as a church uh, before all that? We have to seek his righteousness in every day of our life. We have to seek his kingdom first. And we have to pursue it with all of our might. And then there's a desperation for hunger and thirst. I mean, have you ever seen... We we, we don't know really what hunger and thirst is to the level of some of these other countries. But we see hungering and thirsting in a physical sense. And I mean, when someone is starving, they will do everything they can to find food, will they not? I mean, you've come to the point where you see people that are diving in the most disgusting trash pits just to find a morsel of food because they know that it is life and death for that food. And if it's their family that's relying on that, there's no telling what they'll do because there's a desperation for to quench that thirst and satisfy that hunger. There's desperation when you're starving. There's desperation for food. Or if you're like some of us, there seems to be desperation when we haven't eaten in about three hours. But there should be a desperation for pursuit of the righteous things of God. Because it's what pleases Him. How desperate are we? How how passionate are we for pleasing God and growing in sanctification? I mean, coming to church is important. Praying is important. All this stuff is important. But are we, our minds and our desires are just seeking God's righteousness, being conformed to His image. If we do that, all things will 
be added and fall into place. Because when we're seeking His righteousness, guess what? Our prayer life will change. It'll fall into place. When you're hungry and thirsting after Him, then your witness to other people will change. That is being conformed to the image of God, and then that will change in every aspect of life. Let us have a greater urgency than the one who's desperately seeking for food and water on this planet for survival. Let us have a greater urgency for the things of God. Here's the question of the questions tonight. Every day when we get up, we pursue something. You got up today and you pursued something. Maybe it was to get your favorite food. Maybe it was to make your day as good as it could be for you. Maybe it was to um, get a job done at work. Maybe it was to get the approval of someone else. Everybody has a reason, and they get up of a morning, and they're pursuing something throughout the day. What are we, as individuals in here tonight, what are we pursuing? When we wake up in the morning, what's our pursuit? I can speak for me, and I... And I would be safe to say that I would say the majority of people could at least say one time in their life that their focus really wasn't on pursuit of righteousness, but rather on the pursuit of themselves. Pursuit of what would make their life more comfortable, what would help them. We've all, we're all guilty of this. I know this. I look back at my day today. Did I pursue and hunger after righteousness like I should? I'm going to be honest with you, no. And if you're honest, you didn't either. What are we pursuing? Can you imagine what our lives would look like if we woke up every day and said, I am so glad to be up. I've got one mind today, one mission today, and I am seeking after righteousness of God and sanctification. I promise you, if you do that for too long, your life is going to change. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You know, the Bible tells us something about bread and something about water. It actually tells us someone who is bread and someone who is water. And that someone is Christ. You see, when we seek after the things of God and we pursue it and we're hungry and thirsting after righteousness, we will be filled. It will be here on this earth, our soul will be rejoicing, our soul will be satisfied. But there's this amazing thing that happens that as we become more satisfied and feel His presence and grow, you know what it causes in us? An even deeper hunger for more. It's like you're eating and you're filled, but you're more hungry because you know how wonderful He is and you know that what He wants is sanctification and what you know is that you want to please Him. So the more that you grow and the more that you hunger and are satisfied, you hunger more. That should be our souls in pursuit of God. But the Bible tells us that He's the bread of life, isn't He? We find that in multiple places. We find it in John 6. I am the bread of life. All who comes to me will never, never hunger. They spiritually will be satisfied. And there's a greater fulfillment in this, which is in heaven. This is where this all ends up, right? Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's eternity. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That is when God wipes away every tear from their eyes and they're free from the presence of sin in heaven. Blessed are those who are gentle or meek, for they shall inherit the earth. These are all in fulfillment. And it's no different with this. He says he's the bread of life. He says he's the living water. It's fulfilled in Christ. And we see this great fulfillment. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And where do we see this final fulfillment of this? We see it in heaven. You see, they say that the sign of healthy person is a healthy appetite. Right? When you're sick. You know, I know that I'm sick and other people know I'm sick. Two things. My knees get really weak. <laughs> I feel like a little baby giraffe. I don't know how. I don't know why. I can, I don't get a, before I get a fever, before anything happens, my legs just feel really weak. So then I'm like, let's check my temperature. And you know how else I know? I don't eat. I don't know anybody that has the same appetite when they're truly hungry, or when they're sick as when they're healthy. And this is the same thing for a born-again person. That the sign of regeneration is a hunger for righteousness and a thirst for righteousness. This is a sign of regeneration. The blessed one that hungers and thirsts, they will be satisfied. Their souls on this earth will be satisfied, but at the same time yearn for more righteousness. And I'm going to end with this. I want to challenge everybody today to really self-examine themselves. What are you yearning after? What are you pursuing? What is your appetite for? The blessed one is for God and the things thereof. But listen to this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be satisfied. And we'll leave you with this thought. The greatest fulfillment in this is when we enter the kingdom where righteousness dwells. The blessed one who hungers and thirsts after righteousness will forever be satisfied in glory. And how will that be? Because they will forever be with the bread of life and the true living water. And that is how they will be satisfied for all eternity. Forever in the presence of the bread of life and the living water. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be satisfied. It'll never disappoint you because Christ will never disappoint you. Let us hunger and thirst for we will be satisfied. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that is in your word. Lord, it has been a challenge to us tonight that we are to hunger and thirst after righteousness. We are to hunger and thirst after the things that pleases you. Lord, our hearts are bent to now please you and to love you and to seek you. And Lord, we know that sanctification is your will for us. We may not know everything in our life, God, but we know that seeking and hungering and thirsting after righteousness and growing in sanctification is your will. And Lord, let us tonight make it a priority above everything in our life to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and trust you that it will all fall into place by your sovereign plan.
Lord, we pray for the forgiveness of how selfish we've been, how arrogant we've been, and how so many times our pursuits and our hunger and our thirst has been for the temporal things of the world and to satisfy us. But Lord, we pray that by the Holy Spirit, and only by the Holy Spirit, we are convicted of this tonight. We mourn over this. And Lord, we pray for help. We pray, Lord, that the Spirit would uh, quicken our souls and bring us to a place where uh, we are hungering and pursuing and thirsting and are zealous and consumed for you and your word and for righteousness. Lord, we thank you that you imputed your perfect righteousness to us, to which we don't deserve. But we thank you and we glorify you and we, we want to please you in every way. Lord, help us, we pray. Challenge us tonight, Lord. And Lord, when we get discouraged, let us turn our eyes to heaven. Turn our eyes to you to know that we will be forever satisfied with you in glory, the bread of life and the true living water. We give you thanks. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.